everyone. This is the Crucial Talks Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Sadam. This is the last day of 2017. Hope you had a great year and hope next year is better for you. Remember when you were a kid and had something stressful happen? Maybe you got in trouble at school. Maybe you forgot to do a school project. Maybe some other kid was bullying you. Maybe you were chosen the very last for dodgeball. How long did that stress take you to get over? For me, that sort of stuff didn't last very long because I always felt confident that my family would be there for me. Even as I went through high school, a time when families start to play a little less of an important role, I had sports teams, friends, and extracurricular activities that helped reduce my stress. If something came up that was too big for me, my family was still there. Then I graduated high school, and two weeks later, in July of 1992, this happened. Thank you, too. Good morning. Good morning, Welcome. sir. Welcome to the United States Coast Guard Academy. I say go through the doors to your right in a single file line. You will not run, but you will move quickly. Let's go. Listen up! You have one zero seconds to get on this bus, and you've already wasted zero three. Now get off this bus! Get off! Get move! 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 It exists almost everywhere. It comes and goes throughout our day. It's an ever-present yet invisible part of our lives. Different people deal with stress differently. So it's understandable that it's a tough target to hit when we think about it on an individual level. If you think of the most stressful thing you have ever had to deal with, the mere mention of the word stress probably creates a mental image of that moment, of that situation. And maybe even an emotional or physical response still occurs even though it may have been years or decades ago. Beads of sweat forming on your head, shaking hands, tunnel vision, an inability to react may all be some of the responses people have when we talk about a high level of stress. Normally when people hear the word stress, they're actually thinking about the concept of distress, which is a negative type of stress. Distress creates anxiety. It can last for a long time or a short time. In its most obvious form, it makes us feel as if we cannot control it or cope with it. And it's definitely unpleasant. It can also lead to problems with performance and also to both mental and physical ailments. However, not all stress is distress. The opposite side of the coin is eustress. Take this podcast, for example. If I drone on, which I might in some cases, you're not going to be interested and will not be engaged and will miss a lot of things that are being said. That's because there's nothing going on that demands your attention. Everyone has a stress performance curve. This curve is different for everyone and can also be adjusted through training, experience, education, and other processes that we go through when we're learning how to deal with situations in life. The stress performance curve basically is a visual representation of what people go through when they're under stress. 
at the tail of the curve is where there is little stress. That also means that there is little to engage the person, and that means performance is not optimum. At the other end of the curve is where there is so much stress that performance decreases because it is beyond the coping ability of the person to handle that level of stress. This is why training of soldiers, police officers, firefighters, pilots, and others that have to perform under high levels of stress include scenarios that inoculate them to that level of stress so that they can still perform when being shot at, when fire is burning around them, or when an engine quits at 30,000 feet. And just behind the head of this curve, at the head is where that person's maximum amount of stress they can deal with is located. But just behind that is a sweet spot of optimum stress. This is where the person is engaged and energized. This is where they have a high level of performance. And this is where eustress lives. Eustress is motivating. It allows people to focus. It is mostly short-term, and it's within the person's knowledge, skills, and abilities to cope with this amount of stress. So we know that individuals each can handle different types of stress and different levels of stress. For example, have you ever worked in a place where you worked with somebody who may have gotten some special treatment, where things may have been overlooked, where they didn't face a whole lot of adversity, and then they were put in situations where they had to face adversity, and they were not able to handle it as well as other people? And then put somebody else that you worked with, maybe even put yourself in the same situation, and you were able to handle it because you were able to develop the coping mechanisms to deal with that level of stress. That is the difference between individuals and how they can handle stress in different situations. So we know that individuals can each handle different types of stress and different levels of stress. A pilot who has an engine quit at 30,000 feet will be able to handle that situation much better than a cop who is an airplane at 30,000 feet when an engine quits. However, that same pilot put into a situation where they are being shot at may not be able to handle that level of stress or that type of stress, as well as a police officer who has been through simulations where they are being shot at with simulated firearms. So we know that the ability of individuals to handle stress can vary, just like an individual's ability to handle a situation can be different than a person standing right next to them. One pilot can handle an engine failure better than another. One officer may be able to handle a shooting a little better than another, even though they have been through the same training. One firefighter may take more stress to be at their optimum performance than another. All of this is context-driven, and it's impacted by a number of factors, including long-term factors, like training experience, along with short-term factors, like illness or fatigue. We also realize that stress is not only a function of the individual, but it is greatly impacted by group belonging. Listen to this next clip. In this scene from Band of Brothers, one of the company is not shooting and is cowering down. Left to his own accord, this is how he would probably continue to act in that situation and situations in the future. However, the power of the group and identity with a group can overcome such behavior, giving somebody the ability to handle a level of stress they weren't able to handle before, and able to make decisions that they weren't able to make before. Stay low! Stay low! Keep firing for God! Come on, guys! Stand up! Get up on your feet, soldier! Get up, guys! That's right, guys! You can do 
in our organizations, we deal with stress a lot, but our focus many times in organizations is on the individual's ability to handle stress. And we tend to ignore the fact that group belonging and group behavior and social identity and identity-based behavior and decision-making has a huge impact on how a person can deal with stress, how we can go from what might be distress to eustress, how we can go from a negative to a positive. So don't get me wrong. The individual focus is good. I mean, it's necessary because people need help sometimes, but it may miss a bigger target that can have a longer lasting impact across the organization. With a stronger social identification in work groups and across organizations, we can build a capacity to deal with stress. Not only that, but with strong social connections, we can take what may have been distress and turn it into eustress. Because human beings are social animals that need to belong to groups. And that is why group belonging and team esprit is so important and powerful. Remember that first clip I played for you? The one of the first day at a military academy? That was a more recent class. I don't think mine would have been recorded quite as well as that one. But that first week, first couple of weeks, I felt alone. I felt like an individual who was having to go through this all by myself even though there were 300 others going through the same thing as me. My stress level was through the roof. But then I started to get to know people. I started to realize that we were in it together, that we could count on each other, that there was a noticeable camaraderie that was being built. And that made a huge difference in what I could take. I even found myself starting to enjoy the experience. That enjoyment didn't come from what we had to do. It came from what we had to do together. I found my performance increasing because of the motivation I had to be with others through this trying time. When thinking about stress as something we can deal with through group belonging and the role of identity, we can consider two important benefits. These two benefits are social support and coping. So let's take a peek at the support that comes with social belonging and strong group identity. First of all, when people share an identity, even if they don't know each other personally, They're willing to help others. Next, people who share identities are willing to accept help from others. And finally, people perceive the help they're receiving as genuine when they perceive the person giving them the help is part of their shared identity. In other words, when people are receiving help from somebody they feel are part of their group, they don't feel threatened. They don't feel like that person is only helping them in order to try and get something from them. And there's a final benefit that we want to talk about. And this not only helps people deal with stress, but also helps us build more cohesive teams. The final benefit is that the help given and received strengthens the bonds between people. Not only are people getting support, not only are they being able to deal with and cope with the stress, but they're increasing the social bonds between them. And these benefits that we just discussed about support They become more powerful because it's a building block to stronger social bonds. And when these bonds increase, we see a couple of things. First, we see that people can cope with the stress much better than dealing with it themselves. In other words, if put in a stressful situation by themselves, the stress can be considered distress, causing all kinds of issues for the person. However, in the same situation, except now with strong group belonging and social support, Not only can the person better cope with the situation, but when that situation is shared with others, it can actually become eustress. It can actually be beneficial to the entire group and the organization. 
of course, this is not the case all the time because it does depend on how the group interprets what they're dealing with. Interpretation and perception of the situation, giving context to what you're dealing with as a group, is really important. And so we'll touch on that in a later episode on how people and how groups interpret the information they're given and how to manage that. In closing this episode, we have discussed stress and the two types of stress that can affect a person. Distress, which is negative, and eustress, which can be positive. We have also traveled away from stress as an individual phenomenon to one that is more closely related to how people identify and feel like they belong to particular groups. Knowing that, I want to give you a few takeaways you can consider when dealing with stress in your own life or in your organization. First, cultivate an organization or a team that has a strong identity. This will result in feelings of well-being. If you go back and listen to the episode on Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs, this happens because we meet people's higher order needs like safety, belonging, and esteem. Make sure that the groups we are creating and honing give people the opportunity to feel that the group they belong to is positive. In addition to feelings of well-being, people that have a positive work group to identify with perceive lower stress. This makes sense if we think about what positive group belonging gives people. It gives people feelings of safety, trust, and belonging. With those feelings present, it is difficult for someone to feel as if their well-being is threatened and therefore results in lower stress. And when stress is present, think about how important that stress might be perceived to be to the different groups you have in that organization. In other words, the salient identity is important to understand because you have to realize that one situation may be more important to one group than it is to another. For example, reducing parking in the administrative building may not create stress for the field workers, but it may for those in administration. In other words, the stressor has to be relevant to the group, and knowing this can help you when decisions are being made and you're trying to figure out how it's going to impact the well-being of people in the organization. That'll give you the opportunity to put in some fixes before it actually happens and to have a strategy before you implement the decision. And the final takeaway, and probably most important, is we need to consider social groups where we want to discuss dealing with stress in our lives and in our workplaces. If we can start thinking about stress as something we can deal with through social means, we can have a more powerful impact, but we have to be willing to think of it as capacity building and something we may not be able to control as much as a focus on stress as an individual issue, and that's what's prevalent in most places today. We need to start thinking about dealing with stress as a capacity of the broader system and as a way to handle stress, we need to think about how to impact groups, group belonging, and identity. Thank you again for listening. I hope you have a wonderful 2018. If you'd like more information, please feel free to visit CrucialTalks.com and make contact with me. If you can, I'd love for you to subscribe to the podcast, share it, and give it a rating so we can build this community of practitioners. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you have a great week, a great year, and remember, if we want to understand behavior, we need to understand what drives people.